Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Happy Podcast Tuesday. I don't know if you're listening to this on a Tuesday, but if you are a subscriber, you probably are. If you subscribe to the podcast, what happens is every time we put a new episode on and it goes live, your device automatically downloads it. So it's just sitting there in your library waiting for you to grab it. So here's what we're talking about today. I am going to do a very practical podcast for you on the basics of how to study the Bible. Now, mind you, I am not a biblical scholar by any means. I don't have a degree in biblical studies or anything like that. What today is about are things that I've learned along the way in my time in ministry, things I've been taught by my pastors and mentors, and uh, I think it's going to be helpful for you. Did you know that the phrase how to study the Bible is searched in YouTube something like 500,000 times a month, a month, people. That means there are millions of people who are trying to figure out what in the world do you do with this thing, the Bible? And when people say like Bible study, what are they even talking about? Now, I know some of you listening to this may already know this, but for others of you, this may be brand new information to you. Like, yeah, I want to read the Bible. Every time I crack it open, I'm so freaking confused. I just close it again. This podcast is for both of you because I think you're going to learn some things that you might not have thought about before. But let's just totally dive in, right? Like, let's just get to the front of the diving board and go headfirst into the crazy world of Bible study because there are so many options to this that it's very vast. What I'm not going to do for you today is give you a quick acronym, although those are out there and those are amazing. So you may have heard of the SOAP or the SOS model in approaching Bible study. If you haven't, you can look those up. Essentially, it's... um, a process that you go through every time you open your Bible. But what I want to talk to you guys about is the filters that we see the Word of God through. Every time you read your Bible, there are many filters or layers going on that you may or may not be aware of. In this book, in these pages, there is a layer of information that is completely historical. Did you know Fun fact for you, the Bible has never been disproven in any archaeological find or historical document. There has never been one in all of these years of the world being in existence that has disproven something in the Bible. In fact, consistently, the Bible is continually being proven as true. It's pretty crazy, but they are still excavating places in Israel that are completely confirming what the scripture has said all along. So there is a historical layer to the Bible that's pretty fascinating. You can open up these pages and see history. 
you can see. Here's another fun fact for you. Like the story of Pharaoh's army following Moses and the Israelites into the Red Sea, right? You know the story where Moses stands, he puts his staff up in the air, and the water parts, and the Israelites walk across the sea on dry land. It's one of my favorite stories, not to mention that Prince of Egypt is one of my favorite movies, and it's just such a beautiful thing. And then we know that Pharaoh chases after him, and the whole army goes into the ocean, and the Bible tells us that the sea walls collapse around them, and they are all drowned. But what you might not know is that historically, in Egyptian history books, there is like a period of time, maybe close to a generation or 40 years in their history books where Egypt did not go to war. And that time period correlates pretty closely to the time period of when the Israelites went across the Red Sea. What does this tell us? That Egypt had no army. They didn't have an army to go to war with. Why? Because they were completely wiped out by God. Just another fun fact for you. I could do probably a whole podcast of stuff like that. If you're interested, you can let me know. But every time we open the Bible, there is a historical layer to it. Now, there's also another layer or another filter that is completely cultural. This is looking at ancient Jewish culture, which is very different from American culture and incredibly different from Jewish culture today as well. Some similarities, but vast, vast differences. And so especially when we read the Old Testament, what we find is that there is a lot of cultural context to what these scriptures are actually even alluding to. And if you don't understand that, they might not make as much sense. So, you know, it's helpful to have the cultural lens in mind or the cultural filter. Another one that we look at is what does this say about God? Every time you open the Bible, you have an opportunity to learn something about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is. And this is pretty incredible. So that's three layers in one filter, right? Every word of the Bible can point you to something about who God is. In fact, the story of Genesis to Revelation is the story of unveiling who God is so that we can know him and interact with him. And then the last filter or layer I want to mention today anyway is what the Bible has to say about you. What does it say about you? So in every scripture that we read, it's speaking something historically, something culturally, something about the Godhead and something about you. That's pretty interesting, right? And also maybe why it's a little bit hard to study the Bible. Because every time you open it, you got to kind of know which filter am I looking at right now? And what it speaks to you in terms of who you are right now, who you were in your past, and then who you're becoming in your future. So no wonder it's confusing. The next thing I want to talk about is the fact that the Bible is the infallible word of God. Now, what does this mean? This means that God oversaw and breathed and spoke every word that is in the Bible. Now, it's 2019. There is a lot of thinking out there that that's not true. In fact, a lot of people believe that the New Testament especially was sort of, quote, inspired by God, but not written by God. What are they saying in that word inspired? They're saying, we think that these people who wrote it really loved God, but it was more their opinion coming through, not as much what God is saying. And let me just be as 
frank as I can, that is not true. And I'm sorry if that's something that you believe, but you need to go a little bit deeper into understanding what the Bible is from a historical, from a cultural, and from a scholarly level, if that's something that you're believing right now. When Paul wrote the New Testament, it was Paul's hand, but it was God's words. How do we know this is true? Because the Bible tells us this. And also, it has never been proved wrong in 2,000 years. Here's the other crazy thing. God watches over his word, the scripture tells us. In 2,000 plus years since we've had this Bible, since we've had these scriptures, in fact, longer than that for some of the Old Testament scriptures, they are still the same as they were when they were written all that time ago. Look at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Look up stuff about the Dead Sea Scrolls, which basically was a cave in the Dead Sea that they unearthed the original manuscripts, or maybe not the actual original, but a copy of the original manuscripts. And you know what's crazy? Word for word, they are the same as what's in your Bible sitting on your nightstand right now. Listen, would God do that if they were just some person's word, even an amazing person like Paul? I don't think so. God watches over his word. He takes care of it. What you are reading in the Bible are the words of God himself. So we have to understand that the Bible holds an incredible place in our life, not just for inspiration, not just for historical knowing, not just for a feel good or a directional wisdom, but it is our key and our map to understanding who God actually is. If you are hearing the Lord say something to you in your spirit, spirit, like you're hearing God's voice speak to you, which I honestly encourage you to be doing that if you're not already, you will know it's God's voice because it will line up with the Bible. Here's what I know, and I would stake my life on this. I believe this so wholeheartedly. Who God is when he speaks his word will to you, like in your spirit, will absolutely never contradict who he is in the Bible. Now, that being said, there are some interesting dichotomies in the word itself, which is a whole other podcast for another time. But listen, we have to understand the Bible is infallible. These words are God's words. They're not man's. I was in Israel a few years ago and having the time of my life. If you have an opportunity to go to Israel, take it, get there. It will change your perspective on the Bible like crazy to be in the places where like I remember standing on the steps of the temple that is like the ruins of the temple now where Peter stood and 3000 people were added to the church when uh, the Pentecost broke out and uh, he got up at the temple and he shared the gospel. Oh my gosh. And it says they were all baptized. Now think about this for a second. How could they be baptized? This is a total tangent, but I think you'll find it interesting. How could they be baptized that many people when there's no like pools of water around? Well, because they were at the temple and the temple has these huge, they're called mikvahs. They're ritual bathing places where the Jews would come in and be, um, baptized, basically, they would be cleansed ritually with water as they would walk into the temple. And there were so many of them. And so all these 3000 people just got baptized in these mikvahs that were standing right within arm's reach at the temple. Like, ah, this is the kind of stuff that you learn and discover when you're actually there in the actual land. Oh, if you get a chance to go to Israel, take it, take it, take it. But I digress. While we were in Israel, our tour guide who was an incredible person. He's a Jewish man, his name's David. And he began to talk to us personally, like Grant and I had had a conversation with him um, off to the side. And he said, listen, I have brought some of the most famous evangelists to Israel. I've been their tour guide. And like, you know, people like Louis Giglio and just people who are nationally renowned uh, men and women of God. 
And he said, I'll have the same conversation with all of them. And he began to say, I don't think I have a problem with Jesus in the Gospels. I have a problem with Paul. And he began to talk about how he believed that Paul was basically creating Christianity. What was he saying? That Paul was not speaking God's words. Paul was speaking his own opinion of what people needed to do. Oh man, I thought that was such an interesting thing coming from him. And I have heard that same phrase time and again from so many people, but we have to settle the issue in our heart that Paul was not just speaking his opinion. He was actually speaking the word of God and it is the word of God still for you today. These aren't just his opinions. This was the wisdom of God for their time and for us as well. All right. So the Bible is infallible. When you read it, you see different filters or layers as you're discovering. Now let's talk about what you actually do when you study it. So people use Bible study from a bunch of different angles. One way you can study the Bible is by picking a topic. Like I want to learn about this issue in my life, like gossip. I want to learn about gossip. I need to figure out how to stop being a gossiper. And so you can do a Google search. You can search in your version app. You can, you know, go to the, the glossary in the back of your Bible for some people's Bibles, and you can look up the topic gossip, and it will show you all the scriptures that have to do with gossip. And that is one way to study the Bible. Another way to study it is to read through it like one chapter at a time. Another way to study it is to take one verse and dissect it. For the purpose of today's topic and for today's uh, podcast on Bible study, we're going to talk about doing a word study. So what this looks like is you're doing your regular Bible reading and then you're taking it to a whole nother level. Why do I say your regular Bible reading? Well, a lot of people make it their practice to read different portions of scripture every day. Why? Because they believe this is God's word for them today. I'm one of those people. I love to read the Bible. I might have some days where I don't crack open my Bible, but I'm thinking about scripture every day. It's just really important to me. So here's what we do. The original text of the Bible was written in either Hebrew or Greek, uh, especially in the New Testament primarily is where we see some of the Greek words. So when you're talking about what was actually being said, when you translate something from Hebrew into English, it has a little bit of a different meaning sometimes. So to do a word study, what you're doing is basically taking a word and digging into where it came from. Not just in the English language, but in its original Hebrew or its original Greek. Here's a great uh, tool for you. There is a website called Blue Letter Bible. I think it's blueletterbible.org, but this is what it's called. Blue Letter Bible. And it will help you do this. It will help you do exactly what I'm saying. Another reference for you is the Strong's Concordance. So what do these two things do? They are sites where you go and you can type in your verse. So let's say that we're looking at a verse in Psalm 18. And we want to look at when uh, David was delivered by God and set into wide open spaces. And so we read this verse, he delivered me because he delighted in me. And we think, wow, what does it mean for God to delight in us? Because I want to know if he does that for me, right? So what is delight? What does that actually mean? So what we do is we go to blueletterbible.org or we go to the Strong Concordance website and we type in this verse in Psalm 18. And then what it will do is break down each word for you so you can click on it and you can see what the word meant in Hebrew. And it will bring some other context for you, which I love. Another great resource for this is the Amplified Bible. This is my personal favorite translation because it kind of does this for you in the Bible. And so each 
time, there is a word that has multiple meanings in Hebrew. Uh, think love, right? You might be familiar with the word love in Greek actually has three different words, the eros, pathos, and agape, and they mean different things. But in English, we only have one word for love. So you might be reading, I love you, brothers, and you might be thinking, yeah, it's love. But in the actual Greek, it's talking about pathos, which is the fraternal brotherly love. And then there might be another description that says, I love you, my darling, and the love is eros, it's romantic love, right? Et cetera, et cetera. So when you dive into the root of that word, it actually opens up a whole new meaning. The Amplified Bible will do this for you by including those words in parentheses next to the verse. Great example of this and one that I absolutely love is the word blessed, right? Blessed are those who, and the Amplified will put in parentheses next to it, happy and some other meaning. So you get to see sort of the full picture of what that word really means. That's what you're doing when you have a word study. You're going deeper. Another great resource for you is a book. There's a two-part series book. They're very large books. They're actually more like textbooks, and it's called Sparkling Gems. And essentially, he has created a devotional around the Greek meaning to several different scriptures, also the Hebrew meaning as well. And so he dives into it and looks at it. I was just reading this yesterday, in fact, and just marveling at how brilliant God is in his scripture. And that's another great resource for you. So when you're doing a word study, you're reading your Bible, you're finding a verse that you like, and then you're just taking it up a notch. You're going to some of these sites, Blue Letter Bible, Strong's Concordance, uh, maybe the Sparkling Gems book, and you're looking for the hidden gems inside of those words. I don't know if that's interesting to you, but it's really interesting to me. I want to say one more thing about what you're finding online when you start searching for commentaries and stuff like that. Be careful as you're looking for commentaries. What's a commentary? A commentary is someone who is a scholar of some level and they have, or you know, maybe not, I guess, with the age of the internet, but they have researched a scripture or two and they've written a thing about it. It's like a blog basically about a particular Bible verse or word and then they put them all together and it makes a commentary. Now, here's what I wanna say about this. Your theological background matters when you're picking a commentary because the person writing the commentary is writing from what they believe to be true. For example, I love the Baptist church life. Baptist church life and denomination has some amazing things going for them. But one of the theological things that they typically uh, express is that they don't believe the Holy Spirit works today, or at least that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not working today. So if you're looking for a commentary on, say, 1 Corinthians, and you're reading someone who has a Baptist degree from, you know, a seminary that's a Baptist seminary, you might have some contradictions for, at least for me, what I believe, because it's not going to support what I believe. Does that make sense? Not that you have to believe like me, but like, if you believe the Holy Spirit is alive and well today, which he is, then if you're reading a commentary from someone who doesn't, you're going to get a bit of a skewed perspective. I think this is why it's really hard to navigate the World Wide Web related to Bible study, because it's not like people put at the top of their commentary, I don't believe in women in ministry, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, and I also believe, you know, they're not giving you their full dossier on where their opinions come from. Um, and they should, because I think that'd be really helpful for us. So just take that into consideration when you're reading commentaries, not necessarily Blue Letter Bible or Strong's Concordance, because they're offering you zero opinions. They're just showing you what the word actually means. Um, but when you get into commentaries, that's a really helpful thing.
If this is super interesting to you and you want to go way deeper, you can check out the Logos software program. They have incredible resources on uh, commentaries and word studies and stuff like that. One last uh, option for Bible study I want to mention for you as we wrap up our time here today, and it's this. Ask Holy Spirit questions about what you're reading. So John 1 tells us that the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became flesh. What does this mean? Jesus is the word of God. God, Yahweh is our father, God, his son, Jesus is also the word of God. And then we have Holy Spirit and part of Holy Spirit's job. One of his many jobs is to reveal the word to us, right? It's to show us the word. That means the literal word, Jesus, the person, and the literal word, the Bible. And so one of the best things you can do when you're spending time with God is before you start researching all the commentaries, which I do encourage you to do, ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, describe this verse to me. What was really happening here? Hey, what does it mean for you to delight in me, right? If we're going back to Psalm 18, he delivered me because he delighted in me. So what does that even look like, Lord? And you let the Holy Spirit begin to give you revelation on that too. And wow, that is some of the best time to do Bible study. Should you stake your entire theological background based on something that God has told you in a quiet time? I mean, probably not, right? You'd want to check that with some other sources and make sure that it's accurate. But if it's encouraging to you, then God is doing something in that and that's good. Bottom line, at the end of the day, we always judge everything by its fruit, right? So if it's producing good fruit, then it's God. Eventually, it doesn't produce good fruit, then we know it wasn't the Lord. Obviously, we miss it sometimes. Maybe we'll do a podcast on hearing God and uh, dive into all of that. All right, so let's go back and review. If you want to study the Bible... Remember, there are filters, right? There's layers to it. Historical, cultural. What does it say about God? What does it say about Jesus? What does it say about Holy Spirit? And then what does it say about me, my past, my future, where you're taking me, Lord, and what I need today? Then we're going to remember that the Bible is infallible, that these are not man's words. These are God's words, and they are very important to us to learn from. And then uh, the last, the third one is how to study the Bible. We talked about the Blue Letter Bible. We talked about the Strong's Concordance. We talked a little bit about how to uh, find commentaries online and make sure you're getting one that's theologically in line with who you are. And then we talked about asking the Holy Spirit questions for, you know, what you're reading. So I hope this was helpful for you because if you get good at studying the Bible, man, there ain't nothing going to stand in your way, right? Having the word of God as our sword, which is what Ephesians tells us to do, is such an important tool for how we fight our battles. And when we know what the word is saying and we line ourselves up with it, you become unstoppable. You become your best self. So get good at studying the Bible so you can perfect the art of being you. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.